0: Welcome to the Fretboard Confessional Podcast. My name is Chris McKee.
1: And I'm Cooper Greenberg.
0: And we are here sponsored by Alamo Music on this podcast because they pay us. Uh, And so that's the best sponsors that you could possibly ever have. This is a podcast for guitar players, by guitar players, and people over six feet need not apply because we are both not dunking anytime
1: soon. I thought you were going to say people over 60 years old get out of (laughs) here. Like, dude. Do you ever play basketball? Uh, No, but there was this one time I was buying basketball shoes. Yeah and uh the guy was like try these on you know at the shoe store." and he goes he's like looking at me he goes oh i see you're a point guard and i was like dude i've, I've never played Just basketball me. in my life sure. i attempted uh middle school to play basketball
0: it didn't go well
1: so it's whatever everybody's short in middle school
0: it's okay you know it's where you find you Losers. find that uh, you're not the athletic kid you're yeah. the musical kid
1: and uh, and so yeah, I play guitar. I found that out when my parents first told me that we're Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess you can make that joke. Right? <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, we're going to temple," and I was like, "Dang it, I'm never gonna make the team." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Can can they cancel you for being Jewish if you're Jewish? This is this is a question for the internet, right? Something
1: similar happened to Chappelle, I think. <laughs> I think so. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so this—if you're new to our podcast, <laughs> uh, we are all about talking about what's going on in the world of guitars, uh, what's going on with the instruments themselves playing guitar, what's going on in the industry, give you some insights as we work for a dealership, and we get to see a bunch of the ins and outs. So uh, the first thing that I wanted to talk about today, and this is really, uh, this is actually a selfish question, because Cooper, I think most people who watch our YouTube channel agree, you're a really good guitar player. Thank you. And and I'm a okay guitar player. I've embraced that I am me, and I will not be other people. And I think that's, yeah, that's okay.
1: You're too hard on yourself.
0: I am. You got the licks. <laughs> I got the licks. But here's the question, and I, I think uh, I think you have encountered this. I know I've encountered this and many others. And that is that there are pitfalls to improving. In other words, there are obstacles mm-hmm. that seem to be almost something that every single guitar player that I ever talked to falls into. Mm-hmm. These little traps. And it really kind of will short circuit your attempts to improve at the instrument. Um, and so I wanted to get your idea about that and, and talk about kind of how to get out of it. So I'll, yeah. I'll I'll share mine, but what what are some of yours that you've encountered over the years?
1: You know, I think the biggest thing, and probably a lot of people don't want to hear this, uh, I think one of the biggest pitfalls when you're trying to improve your lead playing is learning and getting way too comfortable with the pentatonic scale. It's, you know, literally people call it the box, mm. but... You know, you kind of get trapped in a box. Once you learn a few different, you know, solo lead-type licks, it's super easy to get stuck to them, and do all of your solos very similar in a right. similar fashion. Um, and it's, you know, it's easy because it's everything sounds good in the pentonic scale. Well, you it's know. a pattern that yeah. you can apply to any key. Yeah, you can do anything. You can do major and minor. I think even just moving from sticking to, you know, major or minor... Moving on from that, switching between the two, you know, knowing Mm -hmm. when to move to a major pentatonic, um, and when to modulate keys like that, I think that's a big thing, but you know, it, maybe it doesn't have to be pentatonic. If you just play on like, you know, minor scale or melodic minor scale, harmonic minor scale, if you get stuck to one, it's easy to then all your solos or all your lead playing, all the stuff that you write is going to sound like that, um, I think, you know, we were talking about it downstairs. Nick said learning scales is like, a, you know, is the pitfall. pitfall. But I think learning more scales gets you out of the the scales pitfall. So learn about modes, learning I different I was about ways, to say, I,
0: I think modes is a big thing because you yeah. effectively have the same pattern, but learning how to play within these various modes changes the whole tonality yeah. of what you're playing.
1: Yeah, and adding, you know, using ways of like creatively using dissonance in some of those modes. Um, using notes that are outside of like a pentatonic or kind of a diatonic thing can always add a, something a little more interesting, bring you to that next idea. So instead of getting stuck in a box, I think it's uh, important to just play around, play things that you probably, or have been conditioned to think are the wrong notes to play mm-hmm. see what sounds good just you know? call it jazz yeah that's jazz dude i love <laughs> love good jazz yeah guthrie trap who is sponsoring this
0: today he doesn't know it yet but <laughs> we're going to talk about his great videos on youtube and then we're going to yeah. send him an invoice um but basically i love how guthrie in in a ton of the videos he's done on his channel and others he comes back to this kind of consistent message about playing over chords. Yeah. And I think it's something that a lot of people have a hard time maybe wrapping their heads around or don't understand the full value of. But I found that going back to the idea of, of playing scales, I think where that trap is is that you, you learn a scale but you don't learn how to utilize that scale really within the context of the songs that you're playing. Yeah. So you're playing this scale and you're playing these licks on this scale that may or may not go. You know, years ago I had a mini lesson with Robert, mm-hmm. a, you know, good friend of ours, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, you're you're spot on. You know, your theory's there, but it wasn't my theory, it was my ear." Like I yeah. could hear what went there and what didn't go there? Yeah, and so to him, he's like, "Oh yeah, you got it." I didn't really have the theory behind what we were talking about. Yeah, and I think some people have an ear and they can hear kind of what goes where, and others don't. And so if you, you know, if you don't practice playing over the scales or applying these these over the chords or applying these scales within the context of songs, yeah, you then struggle.
1: Yeah, I think you know in that kind of way. Say you're playing. On a 145, like a 12 bar blues or something, there have been times when I have, um, you know, I've gotten to go do like a session in, you know, for somebody else a couple of times, and it's been really fun. But there were times early on in those scenarios when, say, it's a 12 bar blues and I'm playing in the key of G, um, you know, if you don't resolve with the chords like you're talking about, if it's coming back to the G, you want to end on something that's going to harmonize with that be it a g unless you want to create tension or a b or you know or a d but then yeah. on the flip side if the end of the phrase that you're soloing in say it ends on a five you know you're you're on this d7 chord and you resolve yourself back to a g because you think you're done with the scale so you're going back to the root note but the whole band's rocking on a d the g is not present in a D7 chord. So it's gonna sound like something's a little off. It literally sounds to a listener with that, maybe they don't even notice it, that the guitar player is is done with this, but the whole band is still building up tension. So I think- Or it
0: sounds like a wrong note, when technically it's it's within the scale,
1: but it is not, it's wrong sort of. Yeah, I think it's fun to think about chords within a key is like each one is a little block component that mm-hmm. you're storyboarding with a little bit so you know the five within a scale is this suspense that we're waiting to resolve back down you know okay. so being able to have the chords be like you mean not
0: everyone should just play seventh chords nonstop.
1: i mean i, I love a good seventh chord <laughs> but i think about it like your chords are the main ideas of the story mm-hmm. and then the lead is like the actual narrative and like the more detail of what's happening and i think that's the way that i like to think about solos within a song but you can't finish that story when there's still more uh, more subject matter to yeah. cover you know what i'm saying
0: now we're talking about soloing and there's probably people listening like i'm not even there yet like mm-hmm. i'm playing chords I've just started. I'm having trouble switching from chord to chord with good ease and progression and stuff. Yeah. And what's funny is see what you think about this. I think the answer is is somewhat counterintuitive because sometimes the answer to getting proficient with something is when you practice repeatedly working on that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the more that you play something, the more proficient you're going to be, right? So if you're new and you're starting out and you're trying to transition from G to C to D, to E minor and yeah. stuff, and do it where it's fluid, the only way that I know to get better at that is to do it. Yeah. But the counterintuitive thing is that where people often stop progressing is that when they then sit down to, you know, quote-unquote practice, we talk about practice. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about practice, when they sit down to practice, they only play what they know and what they sound good at. Yeah. and I've kind of talked about this before that if I'm playing if I'm struggling and my wife says that sounds terrible, I'm on the right track. Yeah. Sort, sort of you know yeah. you because know that
1: you're improving in that moment.
0: I love that we're close to a fire station. <laughs> when we record these podcasts.
1: The building we're in is actually going down right now. We just don't know it. <laughs> this is fine. Um,
0: so it's like the little meme. Yeah, there's a weird thing in this room. I don't know. I don't like it's, that it's at cursed. all. That's it's what they're coming for, dude. So, so, but you know what I'm saying? like, You you have to practice some things yeah. repeatedly, but if you don't practice new things, you never progress to learn them. And when you practice those new things, it's going to be frustrating and if you stop, then you never become proficient in it. So it's yeah. kind of like this, it's not one answer, it's a little bit of both.
1: Yeah, you know, I had an experience a couple days ago, I got set on this idea that I'm going to learn the theme from Howl's Moving Castle on guitar. And it's, you know, written on piano, and there's all these orchestral versions and stuff, but I wanted to kind of learn these finger style versions that I've been into. And my first instinct, which is what I'm getting into is a pitfall is looking up tabs. Cause I wanted mm-hmm. the quickest possible way of learning it. Um, and the problem with something like ultimate guitar is oftentimes I'm sure you've experienced this Podcast this. brought to you by ultimate guitar. No, don't Dot even com. say that. They have too many ads, as it is. Um, I <laughs> you can't even, like, was, pull up yeah, the you you application on your iPad anymore. <clears throat> have you seen that thing in the corner, too, where it's like, learn to play the song, and they show you, like, a thumbnail of a video that you know is not a video about that song? Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to learn this piece. I look up the tabs. First of all, many times the tabs are wrong on this site, because okay. their user- User made. Oh, yeah, you got to check the star rating. You right? got to check the star rating. And then sometimes and it's, even like, then, it's you're like the highest rated ones you're wrong. omitting the coolest chords in this. But um, the difference is with something like that, it's really based around this, you know, E minor, A minor, B7 kind of cool thing. Um, I guess that would be a harmonic minor. But um, the tabs don't really tell you this lick accompaniment would be pa- playing an E minor in the background would be playing an A minor. Yeah. So instead, if you're listening to the song and playing along and just trying to pick out the chords, or if you find the chords, you'll probably have a better understanding of what you're going to do. And then the melody is going to be right there within because all right. of these, you know, within reach when you're playing these chords. So I think instead of learning it, you know, number by number on a tab, sometimes if you're trying to find the melody of a song learn the chords first right. you know i think that's most people just want to learn the lick but learn the chords then you'll be able to pick them out by ear
0: that was the thing that i finally unlocked for me when it came to trying to read tabs um i would buy yeah. you know a book from said famous you know guitar player yeah and then look at what looked like hieroglyphs and you know and <laughs> when it came yeah. to trying to apply them to guitar i remember once uh, years ago i still have it um i've never learned all the songs in it i'll I'm not going to say I'll never learn all the songs, but, you know, at 40, it's kind of looking like I'll never get all these songs. But it was a Doyle Dykes book I picked up at an Alamo Music Taylor clinic he did years ago. Yeah, I mean, We're talking 15 years ago, probably, at least. And um, and he didn't even tab it because he can't read music, right? So someone tabbed it for him. Um, it's accurate as far as I can tell, but when I first started trying to learn those um, it was just the dots. I'm just trying to apply the dots, yeah. uh, you know, on the page to the frets on the guitar. And it's almost like trying to learn a song in a vacuum. Yeah. It doesn't really work. And then the light bulb went off one day that, despite the alternate tuning or something, this is a chord. And, the, yeah. you know, this. There, these are arpeggios or these are fragments of this chord to create this melody. And once I had that, it was... It was pretty eye-opening yeah I still struggle with <laughs> songs like his but uh yeah it was sure. it was very helpful
1: there's not much in the in the way of like what rhythm are you supposed to be playing these notes at either you yeah. know some people try and make it towards visual but usually they're equally spaced out and yeah <clears throat> you're gonna have a hard time you know well
0: and that's where i struggle with tabs because i you know i was a band geek i read music and um, yeah. reading music for guitar, I think, I find challenging because too, yeah. you can play the same note in so many different places. So even when it's notation, it's like having to apply it within the context of chords helps me figure out where the note mm-hmm. is actually supposed to be played on the guitar, yeah. ideally. Um, I think that's one of the unique aspects of our instrument is that it, there's not a quote-unquote middle C
1: Yeah,
0: per se. I mean, you can play it, you know, you can play C on... A string third fret and you could play it on the low E string what is that the I don't have a guitar in my hands like eighth B. fret. Yeah, eighth fret. And so I think that's one of the things that's struggling. How about this? I have a question for you. You you play with quite a bit of speed and a lot of people, myself included, struggle to get faster, and I know what the answer is despite not applying to it. But what do you think is the answer for for how to pick up speed? How to get faster when you're trying to play? like and obviously at this point we're not talking chords per se yeah. this is really playing licks you know and, and stuff
1: i mean it's gonna sound ridiculous but doing it slow a million times you know like <clears throat> there's something that i like to do that's really like this it's just a pentatonic run but it hits all six strings and you're kind of jumping the same pattern mm-hmm. from you know e to a d to g b to e and i do it a ton in a way that it'll let me naturally get from low register up higher so i can really start the solo but it's just a quick way to get up there but it was like years and years that i would do it to really slow songs at like quarter note pace you know um but really that's like the only way it's ever going to happen you know and this is this is my toxic trait this is
0: i know this information (laughs) and yet when i sit down this is, this is fretboard confessionals, right? I'm confessing right now. I sit down to learn a lick, and I will try to be slow for exactly 30 seconds. Yeah, And then I will try to play it as fast as humanly possible and get frustrated with myself that, I yeah, after 30 seconds of practice, I don't have it yet. But what's funny, I was thinking about this the other day. Now I, I, I'm trying to remember what brought it to me. I was watching a movie or something, and someone was teaching someone else martial arts. And the way they started was with these slow movements of the forms. That's how I learned martial arts. And going back to being in band how I learned to play every instrument I learned and how I learned to play every song from when you first start the instrument as you progress. And even to more complicated things, learning it at a slower tempo and bringing it up. Like literally almost everything, whether you're an athlete or or a musician, these things that we learn in our lives, we start off slow. That's the process. You gain muscle memory. And then speed comes with familiarity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's you have to strike this balance between just doing the fundamental stuff and being patient learning it slow adding one bpm each time that you know you play it do you actually use a metronome hell no (laughs) but you should got one up here but you should um the other thing is like on guitar i've talked about this a little bit on our lessons that we filmed um know where you can and can't kind of cheat a little bit yeah so for instance a good example of this is by the way lessons that you mentioned we should say yeah. that we have lessons yeah we do have lessons kind of this as of right now we do have a kind of comprehensive beginner lesson thing yeah. where, you know adding on more and more but one of the things that i talk about is you know as long as it's clean what you're playing and you're fretting everything correctly and all the notes belong where you know that are audible belong in that chord figure out the easiest way that you can play it. And so for me, a G chord, typically what I'll do middle finger on the B and E string down below on the third frets, thumb on the third fret of the low E string. And that's it Mm. for me. I'll leave the two middle strings open and use the tip of my thumb to mute the A string. Right. And that's just an easy G chord for me because typically where I find I go most often, that's a quick point. With that run that I was talking about a minute ago from the low six string to higher up on the first string, I don't play every single note. I'll play like three on one string, one on the next, three on the next string, one on the next. So as long as everything that you're playing is diatonic to the key, it's being played clean, you can skip some notes and do these kind of little hopscotch things to Mm -hmm. get, get you that point. And it's probably going to, like, the more you can strip away, the faster it's going to be. Yeah. Um, but don't omit things that add character to the chord either. Right. You know, so it's like playing it slow and the faster and faster you get, if you hear the whole phrase in its completion slow, you'll be able to recognize, okay, these couple notes don't need to be there. How's it? How does it feel if I do it like this? Strip things away, get down to the core of what you're trying to play, and then boom, you're there.
0: I think, you know, I, I think back to every lick I've tried to learn fast, and eventually I learn it fast if I'm consistent with, you know, trying to learn. We were talking about this the other day. I, I made someone's head spin once because I played this blues lick, and they're like, well, not yeah. play that all the time. Like, well, first of all, it's just a blues lick, you know. It's so there's certain context, you know, yeah. it, you know, at the end of a, a Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, lick— it goes because it's what he plays. It's just yeah. kind of a standard lick, but it doesn't go everywhere. And so you have to learn these little kind of pieces of the puzzle, starting with the edges and working yourself in and starting slow and then slowly speeding up. And, and yeah. that's really – this. That's, that's how you get there. The thing that you were just saying, though, that strikes me is that there are all of these little tips um, or little tricks that uh, – or hacks, if you will, that I think – Sometimes people come too late, and some of them are very easy. Like one that I was thinking about the other day, I heard a discussion about guitar players, uh, is, uh how you play a, a basic G chord, you know, first position, yeah. will vary depending upon what the next chord is. Yeah. And I know I do that, because if I'm playing a C right afterwards, then I'm going to play with my ring finger on the low E string versus yeah. my middle finger on the low E string. So I'll play that chord two different ways depending upon if I'm going to C or D or a B minor or whatever it is next. And I think that that aspect sometimes I don't first of all I don't see it articulated in very much lesson material. Yeah. And so there's a lot of beginners or even people who have been playing for years that don't understand that and it's super valuable depending upon what you're playing
1: yeah for sure
0: walking bass lines the same thing totally yeah you know fretting your c up higher on the neck to work with other voicings versus
1: you know yeah it's it's cool when you get to a certain point and i know that you can do this like listening to a player do single notes and being able to hear the timbre of different strings and knowing where they're playing it based on how that individual note sounds, like the voice of the note. I think that's one of the coolest things. And then you start to realize his, his or her mind is like working off of this pattern, you know? And so he's already halfway up the fretboard. I'm trying to learn this in first position. Right. You know, let's switch this up. Oftentimes you'll find that it's a lot easier to do it wherever this guitar player is. I don't think many guitar players make it purposefully in a harder section of the fretboard you know,
0: I think it's what works for them. You know, there's a song that I play in some of our demos. I I did it a lot early on, but it's literally just something I came up practicing one day, and then I developed it thinking about one of my my children. But a lot of people find it very difficult. Um, yeah. In fact, we were hanging out with with some buddies from Taylor, and they were trying to get my. They were watching me and having me repeat it over and over to understand yeah. the pattern I was doing and and the rhythm of it and stuff. And that made me feel good because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you guys can't do what I can do. The truth of it is you can do, like, difficult stuff that you wrote, and it's always easier for you because you wrote it. yeah And so, you know, to your point, these guitar players will write something for whatever reason and wherever they are because yeah. that's what they did. Um, and. If you know to listen for those notes, like you just said, you'll figure out what they were doing. I remember uh, finding tab on Ultimate Guitar, I think, for Slow Dancing in a Burning Room, and just recognizing that it was wrong from the get go because <laughs> yeah. I knew from the sound of the guitar that where they had it was in the completely wrong place on the guitar.
1: Yeah, you got to get to that ninth fret, you yep. know? Yeah. Can't be doing this on the A string, fourth fret.
0: I will say this, and, 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 you know, so if we wrap up what pitfalls are, it comes down to um, not practicing some things enough, practicing other things too much, trying to play too fast too quickly, yeah. and not taking the discipline to be slow to establish that speed. And I think the things we're talking about with like tips and tricks is looking to other people, playing with better musicians than you uh, makes you a better musician. Yeah. You know, I, you said something about, or, or maybe you didn't. Maybe this is my observation and I don't know if I ever said this to you, but when I first met you, you were a really good guitar player. You went to Nashville and you came back a better guitar player. Because I got
1: my butt kicked <laughs> everywhere I went up there. Oh my God.
0: Because around every other corner is another like yeah. you know, Danny Gatton
1: Tele player. Just... I was living in a dorm where every single person in every room played guitar of all different styles and then we had like jam out and everybody was like totally at the top of their game you know it was so cool i hope that at some point somebody was like oh man i learned something cool from cooper but i did the majority of the learning you know (laughs) but it was so worth it oh my god
0: and i think that's what happens when you surround yourself with better musicians yeah um you learn from other people all right i have a question for you though I'm curious, what is the one style of of music on guitar that you want to learn that you struggle to learn?
1: Uh, I've never been able to sweep pick, like, at all. And I would like to be able to. I have no practical application for that in any of the music that I play. But really clean sweeping and really clean tapping yeah. um, would be very cool for me to learn and try to incorporate it into some sort of you know, something close to what I actually play Um, or just be in the middle of a solo with my friends when we're jamming and throw a lick out there and have them be like, what was that? then go back to normal. But uh, yeah, I would love to learn that kind of stuff. Do the guitar shred God thing in the middle of a blues jam? Yeah, that would be cool. Little Guthrie Govan stuff? Yeah. uh, That's probably one thing that I've always been frustrated because I've tried so many times and I've really gotten down to it. And it just doesn't come very easy to me at all. The other thing is more of the, um, like, real jazz playing. You know, I can I can fake doing certain yeah. accompaniment of jazz music, but when it comes to, like, John McLaughlin's stuff Jeez. and his chord voicings and the I emphasis about on him. rhythm, you know.
0: We recorded our last podcast, yeah. and, and he would have, I thought about it afterwards, he would have been one of the people in my yeah all-time best like band yeah yeah
1: i was watching with uh i was with jason buckingham the other day (laughs) and we watched like this concert of john mclaughlin it was very cool um and i said this is just a side note i was like man i would have loved to see this show live and he's like i did see it live i was at berkeley like he was there and then i was like wow wow and then i said uh, what's the coolest thing that you saw up there because you know he went there he's been in music education forever all that so i was like so what was the coolest show that you saw when you were a student there he's like well there were these guys that they were just playing this weird off time crazy time signature music on guitar all the time and they would play in the cafeteria just like every friday and so i would always tell my friends that oh, we got to go see them they lived on our floor we were obsessed years later they called themselves dream theater and I was like, dude. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there on on a lot of that. I think jazz, um, incredibly fast, kind of shred guitar. I'd love, you know, I I, <laughs> I watched guys like Guthrie Gevin or very different, but kind of same thing, Tosin Abasi. And mm-hmm. I just in, am enthralled with their creativity. And their technique and their music. Um, I also love classical guitar and flamenco-style guitar, which are not the same thing. Um, I love that stuff. And I think, if I'm honest with myself, I don't have the discipline to really learn them because they are immensely disciplined things. I mean, in an interview, Tosin Abasi talked about his double thumb technique that he does to get this percussive yeah. sound and that he stayed up like in the middle of the night for four or five hours working on that and there's this kind of obsessiveness guthrie govins talked about it in the same way or you know he locks himself in a room and you know for the, his part john mayer's the same thing there's there's this kind of discipline and obsession that um i guess i lack and, and i see these classical guitar players that's probably you know That and jazz are incredibly difficult. People do not appreciate how skilled those players are. Yeah. And I'd love to
1: play that stuff. I would, too. There's one kind of thumb and middle finger, right hand percussive thing that it was like that when I was living in Austin. I would just sit on my couch and I would just mute the strings and I'd do it over and over and over because I really wanted. I was obsessed with Rodrigo E. E Gabriel Uh at the time, and I really wanted some of those rhythmic hits um, and it gave me the gnarliest blister, yep. like right on my on my thumb on my right hand. But after a while, it, I love using it. And then my friend Ramon, who you know, um, he, over the, I mean, he was always a huge Gypsy Kings fan and Paco de Lucia and stuff. But over the pandemic, he stay. I mean, he would play like eight hours a day. Like, you know, he would start at like 6 p.m. and then just stay up till like the earliest hours of the morning doing flamenco stuff and Roomba stuff. And, uh, I mean, he has really just got so many cool things in his bag now, um, that when we play these acoustic shows and we're doing like, I I'm trying to think of an example. We're doing just the two of us, you know, he like does, a, you know, like, I don't know, different versions of different styles of music and different rhythms and all that. And he plays it on his Cordoba. It's the coolest thing, you know, just being able to bring that rhythm into it, different chord voicings and, you know, playing with two guitars, we do a steel string, his nylon string and a cajon. It just adds a whole new flavor, you know? So I'd love to learn some of that kind of stuff.
0: You are talking about the calluses, every time I, I'm, if, when I have a classical, I don't have a nylon string guitar at all right now and I need to get one. Yeah. Um, but I started playing that and I remember developing calluses on the tops of my nails, yeah. where your nail bed meets your finger, yeah. I had calluses there. First, it would be bread and bloody, and then it would callus. Because when you're playing, yeah. it's called a... Is it a or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're hitting it with the backs of your nails. And that's how I learned in high school. And so I can do it, but when yeah, I haven't played for a while, it's painful, yeah. to say the least. You know, I think for me... We'll wrap this segment up with this. I think one of the things I've come to is I have to be good, okay, with being me on guitar. Yeah. And where my frustrations really come into play is where, um, and this is what I was telling our friend John Scully the other day, is to me, the guitar, or any musical instrument really, but for me, guitar is one of the most um, communicative instruments, the things that is nuanced and can really sound like you. You can bend notes and you can make it sound very vocal you know, in how you're playing. And all of the things that I want to say, I sometimes lack the vocabulary in. It's like walking into a Mexican restaurant and not having enough Spanish, just un poquito, you know? And so I can't really communicate the way I want to. And so for me, that's what all guitar really should be about is you improve your skills and your techniques, not to sound like somebody else, even if you're inspired by somebody else. But so at the end of the day, you can best communicate what you on the instrument sounds like,
1: yeah. what you're trying to say. Yeah, no, it's a great way of putting it, for sure. Got to learn more languages. Got
0: to mo- learn more languages. If, if I could have, if I could just say one thing and, like, get downloaded, like, in the matrix of, like, what do you want to learn, it'd be everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd love to just have all the genres. I'd love to play bluegrass and classical and jazz and, yeah. and, and blues and shred and just everything, you know, modern finger-style tapping stuff all at once that'd be amazing so yeah but i wish to learn classical i need to get a new classical guitar and i don't have one right now which brings us to our next segment and cooper that is dude where's my guitar it's in the ports it's that was inspired by an amazing masterpiece ashton kutcher movie
1: yeah i uh it's been tough i heard that question quite a bit you know (laughs) in the last few months few years
0: So the question really is uh, the supply constraints. When are they going to get better? And um, this is going to be a short segment because I'm here to say we don't know. (laughs) Um, I will say this. I think for some manufacturers, we're already seeing improvements. Yeah. And I think by the end of this year, things will start to normalize for them. And uh, I'm going to not name names. I will just simply say it is the people you probably think, the people that are the best and most efficient and have their manufacturing processes dialed in.
1: And to the others, we say, can we please just get one J-45?
0: (laughs) You know, (laughs) Gibson is definitely struggling, and and Martin is struggling. And I have said, I think the more traditional the builder is in their processes, the more difficulty they are having during this time we can't negate the fact though that a big part of this is simply because of orders that they have so many orders right now and so i'm going to say something that might sound a little controversial i'm ready to see what you think about it i think a big part of the problem is dealers yes I suspect we're the problem. Well, some dealers. I don't think we're the problem. I think we are very uh, disciplined in how we order, but I, but <laughs> one is, of
1: everything, please. <laughs> it,
0: it is really easy to sell guitars right now, and there are supply constraints. And so, I think there are some dealers that have not been as critical in how they order, and they've ordered a ton of stuff, and so this just creates a backlog. And if if these manufacturers shipped everything to those dealers right now, those dealers could not pay for it. But they have it on the books. And I know this because some manufacturers are pushing back. Like, no, no, we will not take that order from you. Um, and I think that's why. I think there's there's a lot of stuff kind of out there pending that's just cre- making this worse.
1: Yeah. it's. I've had this thought in my head about these George Harrison telecasters that... The world is on fire about. To a very specific group of people, this has been the most (laughs) stressful. Like, thinking about this guitar, how many people in the world want it? There's only a thousand. Yep. Worldwide. worldwide, A thousand worldwide. A thousand being made. And it's in one of the most obnoxious rosewood shortages that we've seen. And it's all rosewood. Yeah. And it's like, how many people... Like, how many would they have made if there was not a shortage, first well, of all? Well, they
0: did this in the past, and I don't remember how many they made, and there was no rosewood shortage, but it was limited in number. you got to think, though, that, I mean, uh, with the success of Get Back, they had to do something. I'm shocked we haven't seen an announcement from Gibson of, you know, these cherry red Les
1: Pauls coming out. We saw an announcement from Gibson, like, a year ago that said we are going to get casinos. <laughs> Where yes, are the casinos? I know. Ours are still on That would be perfect timing, I mean, it's like, you know, I think about sometimes, why do these manufacturers choose the, this is a separate conversation, maybe for another time, but why do they choose the signature models that they choose? And like, we, you know, we talked about it when we were filming yesterday, Screamedelica, very cool album. That's one of the most random, you know, things. I'm like, Whoa, they're doing a tribute to Screamadelica. Yeah. It's cool. But again those were limited and i looked on the dealer site they're inactive you can't you know man san antonio is burning the honks are people not getting out of the way because the sirens aren't enough nobody does that around here nobody gets out of the way um you know i just think it's i've said it before when we've had this a similar conversation on the podcast it's It makes me upset when there's core. Sorry. I love the 1920 siren that's still on the fire engine. They caught John Dillinger, dude.
0: (laughs) They haven't had the budget since 1937
1: to buy a new siren. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, I've said it before, it bugs me when we get the introduction of 10 new signature models when I just want everybody in the world still is waiting on their standard models, you know? Yeah stuff like that and for some reason i can't get a spruce and rosewood dreadnought from an unnamed manufacturer but i can have announced and receive some all rosewood telecasters you know within a couple months
0: yeah i mean the supply constraints for the actual raw materials is definitely a thing that's that's limiting some stuff but i know that that's not the entire story yeah um and there's workarounds. We've seen manufacturers, first of all, switch to different tone woods um, to you know deal with that situation when it was available and applicable. Um, but yeah, I think that what's going to happen is as we come out of this pandemic more and more, uh, there's going to be a cooling in the ordering mm-hmm. um, from dealers, and there's that's going to have this ripple effect where the constraints, this the the stress that manufacturers are feeling is going to ease and things will normalize Uh, what i hope doesn't happen is that there's a huge increase in like how much they're building and then it just like someone shuts off the faucet because that's very detrimental as well so yeah Uh, in the meantime we continue to try to get guitars in. i'm excited about some of the new stuff we have on order really that's coming and you know the the companies that can get guitars to us at the end of the day, are going to benefit from being able to do that and the companies are going to struggle, I think it will have ramifications uh, for for many years.
1: You know, I think some, and I'm not, you know, we can talk about this more in a coming episode after certain things get announced, but I think that there are brands that are taking note of popular things that are not being made and Mm -hmm. are unavailable and finding a way to put themselves as an alternative. And I'm excited to see Um, you know what kind of cool modern alternatives are born out of this kind of hey i'm waiting on such and such guitar but this other brand just made a really cool competitor i might as well check that out and i think we're going to see a lot of that as well you know people that do have the resources to make things and get them to us might be able to fill a void and make a lot of new fans you know
0: i agree well so going back to your time at Uh, In Nashville. Yeah. Um, That kind of brings me to our last segment that I wanted to talk to you about today. And uh, and that is the best, the worst, and the strangest traits of the guitar community. Because anyone who's spent any time on a guitar forum on the internet has seen the best and the worst and the strangest. Or go to a guitar show, and you've seen this as well. So I'm curious if you've got some thoughts on... Let's go with worst first so that we can end on a high note.
1: The worst is that most guitar players that I've ever met are, they think they're the best guitar player. That not
0: that, that every that, musician? Yeah,
1: that's, that's just a bad musician trait. Um, you know, I th- I think there's a lot of overlap. I was going to say the best. I love talking about gear, and it's something that, a specific amount of people care about. And I think guitar players nerding out about guitars or pedals or other players' tones is are some of my favorite conversations I've ever had. Yeah. But then the judgment that also accompanies that is also the worst part of guitar yeah. players. So when people roast other people about, like, this cat's using a metal zone or... If like, you're, who cares if his
0: tone sounds yeah, good, right?
1: But, like, if you're say you're like this hypothetical popular YouTube guy and you trash everybody that uses a tube screamer. (laughs) Hypothetical. And let's say that your name is Shet Roll. Shet Roll. (laughs) He's got great tone,
0: but I'm like, Get a Tube Screamer on that board. Tube Screamers are great. You know, one of the guys uh, on TikTok, uh, Wampler Pedals account, I've been following, and I really appreciate his discussions. I was thinking about it in context of Tube Screamers because he was talking about the difference between um, symmetrical versus asymmetrical uh, distortion. Yeah. You know, and the smoothness of symmetrical, which is a Tube Screamer versus asymmetrical. And you get a bigger sound. Yeah. You know, it's a subtle thing, but... Yeah, I love those discussions, but I'm 100% with you on, and it's all sorts of gear. Sometimes it comes down to, like, not even a metal zone. It's, like, the whole brand. There's a whole there's a whole movement right now, and I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I wonder if Boss's mar- and Roland's marketing department is behind it. If they're not, they should take credit for it because it's brilliant. But I've seen all these ped- videos going around on social media of, like, hey, it's cool to like Boss pedals.
1: Yeah. You know, I think a big part of that was uh, the JHS video a while ago. I loved that video so much when it's like talking about how many classic pedals and boutique pedals now are based on just boss circuits. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it's cool to like boss. They make incredible stuff. And I like talking to people who have that attitude on all kinds of things. Right. So, hey, man, I... Got a Mexican Strat. It's I still play that guitar all the, all the time. I love that guitar. Oh yeah, they make amazing guitars. I've had mine for twenty years. That kind of conversation. That's like, not. It doesn't always have to be. Which is fun. Also, it doesn't always have to be like a double A grade Koa top K twenty two ce twelve fret is the best guitar in the world. Because it might be
0: right. So one of these worst traits is like the the looking down the nose, yeah. Cork sniffer. I've been accused of being a cork sniffer, like wood sniffer type person, and and like as a guitar snob. But truthfully, I really like well made,
1: affordable guitars. You love your custom tailor, and you love your Baja Tele. I do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it can go both ways. The worst trait for a guitar player, and I don't even know if this guy's a guitar player, but it's that guy on the ads on YouTube that's like, there is a huge plague for guitar players, and I call it the plateau. (laughs) And this one secret Guitar teachers hate him, you know? You know, he that reminds kind of me, in,
0: in weight loss, there's the same thing. Because it's, it's like, how many which exercises do you have to do to lose uh, fat in your abdomen? And it's like, it doesn't work that way, <laughs> right? You lose weight everywhere. I learned this. I lost about 100 pounds, and then my glasses didn't fit, and my shoes didn't fit. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's everywhere, right? right? It's the same thing. It's like, it's there's no secret. Yeah. There's no one thing that makes you a better guitar player. There's a huge curse. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gosh. I love that. Yeah. How about um, <clears throat> brand uh, brand snobbery?
1: That's a big thing. Brand snobbery is rough, and it comes always with a square headstock and 1883 on it.
0: Not always. <laughs> okay, Martin guitar owners might be, at least in the past, the worst offenders. You know, what's nice on the best side of things, I know a lot of guys that when these discussions happen, they're like, hey, I own a Martin HD 28. I also own a Taylor such and such. I also own a Gibson. I also own a Breedlove. I also, yeah. you know, they just love guitars. But there are people that are fiercely brand loyal all over the place. There's guys who love Taylors and think Martins are terrible guitars, yeah. which they unequivocally they're not yeah and i usually go like have you ever played have you played a good one One of these no. like what did you play did you play like a some x model that was you know not Broken. taken care <laughs> of and yeah it's just there's there's really good stuff from pretty much everybody yeah and so i never like you i think you can have your styles you, you're a fender guy I right yeah You've got, do you have anything that's electric right now? Oh, you have your Rickenbacker.
1: I do have my Rickenbacker. Do you
0: have yeah. anything else that's not Fender?
1: I don't believe so.
0: So how come there's not a Fender Cooper signature model? You know, how? why haven't they sponsored you? Dude, I mean, who you needs to need to get on the say? call right now with them right now.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be down for sure. But uh, no, I think that's the thing is a lot of times when people come into the store and... I mean, Shawn Mendes got a signature model, I'm just saying. Well, that's true. Well, he's a hearthrob. <laughs> They knew they'd sell those ones <laughs> to a very specific demographic. That's um, why they put flowers on Yeah. I think that it always happens, like, with different customers that come into the store. If I talk to somebody that's like, that guy that's like, man, I, I'm i interested in everything because I've played guitars from each of these brands that I really like, but here's the tone that I want. And then they can choose across brands for that tone. Because everybody's got different tone combinations to capture the same kind, you know. Yeah in the right niche, but the worst kind of guy that makes me upset is the one that's like, I don't even want to look at that Taylor wall. Cause you know, and it's like, okay, well if you're going for something Martin-esque, why don't you know, it's like a fun experiment to try while I'm grabbing that from the warehouse. Just try this one out really quick. And let's say, you know, they really want a Gibson or something and they play a grand Pacific with mahogany and spruce Oh wow! I've never heard a Taylor that sounds like this. Right. And it's like, well, anything you can name really from Taylor, you can find a guitar with that sound. Yeah. And it's, same, it's now it's becoming the same with Martin, Gibson. You know, has got a pretty, I think, a pretty specific. Pretty sound, defined. But there's still house, yeah. variation. And you there's,
0: know. you know, talking about. I don't know if this is a toxic trait of the guitar community. Maybe it is. It's debatable, but. Uh, I was having a conversation with someone about Gibson songwriters the other day. Mm -hmm. I think they are the most slept on acoustic guitars in their lineup. And I love J-45s. Don't get me wrong. But like outside of the songwriters, they don't even have anything that's Rosewood except songwriters and studios. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's so weird when you look at other guitar brands. And I don't think it really even comes down to the guitars themselves. It's name recognition. It's like the guy or the gal who's always wanted the hummingbird or the j45 and that's what they sell the most of and people don't even try songwriters if they even can so many dealers won't even carry them because it's yeah. not what sells and i'm just i'm out here going beating the drum of you should play a songwriter because it's a it's like an hd28 yeah. but with gibson flavor
1: yeah and
0: it's a really good guitar
1: no they're great and i think when we did that video when you talked about the songwriter it's called this for a reason you know it's the perfect singer songwriter acoustic performer guitar i saw the ones that we had go immediately and people with their reviews of the guitar being oh man i never even considered this but that's the sound that i really wanted and they're just cool but I do get, like, you want the prestige of saying, I got myself a Hummingbird or right. I got myself a D28. Right. I think that it sounds, it's it's a weird thing. I think it sounds cooler to be like, I got a D28, but it sounds better to get a HD20. You know, like, HD28 doesn't have the ring and the yeah. title, but Even there's a, always... Even for me, that's the guitar. That is the yeah. guitar, you know? Well, that is the D28. It <laughs> is, technically. But yeah, that's, it's all tied up. Into one, every trait of guitarist is good, bad, and weird at the same time.
0: So it's funny you're talking about being thinking they're the best in the room. The the de- the other side of that, which is a bad thing, is when you have like crippling self doubt. Uh, we talked about in the Get Up documentary that that was c- very clear with all of the Beatles. Yeah, like none of them really felt they were the best in the world, and arguably they weren't the best musicians in the world. Yeah, they were great songwriters and they were a great band. Um, but I know that. That's limited me from time to time. Having this, like, this nagging self doubt prevent me from wanting to get on a stage and perform, you know, because you think about that. The healthy version of that is what you described, which was being in Nashville, surrounded by people that you felt were better than you, and instead of resenting that or cowering away, learning from those people.
1: Yeah, it was also. You know, it's like a place where everybody's probably better than you and they all want to play guitar all the time. And there's, a,
0: there's an old adage, there's always somebody better than you.
1: Yeah, so. that's the thing. And it's like, you know, it was at a music school, so most of these people had to, you know, it could have easily become a chore for them to practice, but that's why they moved to Nashville in the first right. place. You know, everybody was from other places and we all went there for the same reason. And it was like, you get out of your class and then you go straight to your room to play with you know play guitar with your friends um and there were so many opportunities for shows too that it was like not just jamming but it was also go out and play in front of people so i mean it's just it's worth it to find a group of people that are down to to play all the time and talk guitars and you know learn from each other
0: yeah no i agree well i think We've kind of covered most of the highlights of what's worst and what's best. Yeah. What do you think, and you've been to guitar shows with me. Yeah. What do you think are the strangest things, strangest behaviors within the guitar community?
1: I guess it varies by age group, but typically, like, <laughs> typically, like, the smell and the outfits. <laughs> like, with the old guys, it's like, are we at a Guy Fieri lookalike contest? <laughs> And with the young guys, it's like... It's a collection of Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, dude, Hawaiian shirts, <laughs> bad cologne, hairpiece, motorcycle. Um,
0: that reminds me, this goes back to worst traits, actually. It was At a guitar show, there was an older gentleman who walked up and he said, uh, you know, I, I, I like tailors, but I don't like their pickups. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. You know, not for everybody. You can always... Order it without a pickup, you know, or change it out. He goes, "Yeah, those body sensors inside." And I said, "Oh, oh, yeah, you know, they haven't done that for like a number of years. They came out with this pickup in like 2013, and it doesn't have the body sensors." He says, "No, it does." I said, "No, no, it doesn't. Look, let me show you on the bridge. Here are yeah, the sensors." Does, <laughs> and uh, and I explained all of how the ES2 works. He goes, "But they still have the body sensors." And I was like, "Look, I'm like a Taylor certified technician." I know everything about these guitars. They don't have body sensors. And I can show you if you want to look. I'm like. i not trying to sell you a guitar at this point. I'm just trying to educate you. Yeah. And I don't want to be argumentative. I just want you to understand if that's your, your hang-up. And he was just like, you're wrong, and walked off. And I was like, cool. Have a good day. <laughs> <So that's laughs>
1: he also a had day, a hairpiece, yeah. I think, and,
0: yeah. uh, and a Hawaiian shirt.
1: The hair Nothing piece. against Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, the hairpiece. It stays on because there's actually a body sensor on there. (laughs) So it senses what's going on.
0: Here's what I love, and I'm guilty of this. This is one of the strangest behaviors. Car guys do it too. Talking to somebody about your guitar collection, and what do you
1: do? Pull out photos? Pull out your phone and start showing them photos. Inevitably, you're going to be looking through a much larger album, and you're going to show some kid like me at the guitar show some stuff that he doesn't want to see. Yeah, don't swipe the wrong way. I'm not but trying to touch. Look, your even phone.
0: David Robinson, the Admiral, Spurs yeah. legend, sh- when we were hanging out with him, pulled out his phone yeah. and started showing us his guitar collection. Yeah, it's again, car guys do it too, and it's if you think about it, it's one of the weirdest things we do.
1: It's it's just great. Everybody's seen a sunburst strap before, but it's like, no, that's one's <laughs> this the is I got. mine. Yeah, that's what I got right there. Yeah,
0: I love yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's fun, you know, but... Now, we have f-
0: phones, but I'm going to tell you this. you never, Did you ever know John Witt that worked for us at the Babcock store? I never
1: saw it, but I heard Keanu's really good in it. You know, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Not Wick. Oh, yeah, no. So, John Witt, may he rest in peace, was a
0: guy who had moved down here from Chicago and he'd befriended all of us at the store and he was a retired master technician uh, electrician and he started doing setups on guitars and the guy was a brain and a nerd like us and a uh, bass player actually yeah. but also a really good guitar player but he was old school I think he even had a flip phone back then So, but he still had his pictures of his guitars in his wallet just like people used to have <laughs> <with> their kids <laughs> he's like this is my first custom she order, carbon bass check that out yeah. wow
1: <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it's fun. It's fun talking guitars. I'm never going to look away when somebody pulls out the phone to show me, because I love looking at people's, you know, that I love looking at people's guitars and yeah, hearing I was like, the you stories gotta finish behind them. Yeah, you know, so. I love looking at people's, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, guitar players are strange people. It's a strange thing. I'll, 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 I'll,
0: We'll end with
1: this. Last thing
0: that I'll say is I think a strange trait of guitars uh, guitarists and, uh, and again, car guys tend to fall this too, to an extent, overvaluating something because it's old. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's from the 60s.
1: I got uh, myself a... It, <laughs> I don't yeah. care
0: if it says Ventura on it. It must be a <laughs> good vintage guitar. Let me give you a few thousand dollars
1: for it. Ugh, yeah. Well, next week we'll talk about the good, the bad, and the weird of piano guys which are the most heinous human beings <laughs> we love
0: piano people let's get He's Kevin in kidding. here to
1: do a pianos and cars movie <laughs>
0: episode awesome well we have we have confessed a lot today on the fretboard confessional oh, yeah. so if you haven't make sure you subscribe to our podcast check us out on YouTube as well and uh, check out our, our website and social media stuff and tune back uh, tune in next time for whatever we decide to talk about then all <laughs> things guitars